0: much for joining us today on episode number 75 of the Real Life Runners podcast, Decluttering. It's the buzzword that's sweeping the nation right now. So can decluttering really change your life? We're going to talk about that today and we've definitely been doing some around our house. So we're going to talk about that in life and also in your running.
1: This is the Real Life Runners podcast and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today, now let's get running. So the theme of the day is decluttering. I'm really just trying to make it through the episode without just coughing like a fit over here. Yeah, but Kevin's, we'll see how this guy goes.
0: Kevin's been fighting a cold the last couple of days, so we're recording this one a little later in the week to try to give his voice a little time to recover here.
1: This is this is what we're getting for the episode today. It's, <laughs> a, it's a little deeper than normal, but we'll see see how it goes. <laughs>
0: So, decluttering, okay? This has been sweeping the nation. The KonMari method and the magic art of tidying up can change your life, right? No. Everybody's obsessed with this new Netflix show.
1: All over it. We've been going for it since before it hit Netflix. You started well, decluttering us a while ago here. Well,
0: yeah. I read the book a couple of years ago. Yes. And um, it was interesting because... I- I do believe a lot of what she says is true. You know, it's, it's interesting to me. I guess you don't always think about how physical clutter and the things around you can really have an effect on your overall psychological and emotional state.
1: Because that's, that's the purpose of it, right? Is right. all this stuff around you distracts you from being the best you? Is that kind of the philosophy? I did not read the book. Full <laughs> disclosure here. I yeah. did not read the book myself. <laughs>
0: So, yes, okay, so for those of you that haven't read the book yet or seen the show, basically the concept, there. there's a lady, her name is Marie Kondo, everybody's talking about her now. This woman is raking in money, I'm sure, hand over fist.
1: Folding it nicely.
0: And folding it very nicely. So the, the basic concept of the book is you need to get rid of anything in your life that does not spark joy, okay? So that's like her whole... That's how she sums up her philosophy, basically.
1: Right, so I was grading some biology tests over the weekend and I just threw the whole pile of them out. I don't have a job anymore, but it did not spark joy in my life, so I tossed them.
0: (laughs) I read one article last week about some guy that was at Bed Bath and Beyond because his laundry hamper did not spark joy in his life, so he had to get a new one. And And just how people are taking it to the extremes, like they normally do.
1: I'm not sure I've ever had a laundry hamper that sparked joy in my life.
0: Neither. You know what? Our laundry hamper. Our laundry hamper. The day before Hurricane Matthew hit sparked some joy in my life because every single laundry hamper in this house was empty (laughs) every piece of clothing was clean and every hamper was empty just in case we lost power and water and
1: yeah if you think that the only place that you might be able to clean laundry is scrubbing it in the pool then everything is getting washed Yeah,
0: that was the only time that laundry has ever sparked joy there you go so Anyway, if you guys hear like little hiatuses where Kevin's not talking, it's probably because he went to blow his nose or something.
1: <laughs> very, very likely.
0: <laughs> you, should, you might want to get a box of tissues. So anyway, back to the KonMari method. So she basically says that you take every single possession in your house, in your life, and you hold it in your hands and you say to yourself, does this spark joy? And if the answer is yes, then you keep it. And if the answer is no, then you get rid of it. So she suggests that you categorize um, all of your belongings into certain categories, categorize into categories, categorize into categories. So, (laughs) so first you start with clothing because most people have a lot of clothing and a lot of clothing that they don't use. So she suggests that you take every single piece of clothing that you own and you put it in one humongous pile in the middle of your floor.
1: As I do a lot of the folding of laundry in this house, um, that's not allowed You're not allowed to take all of your folded (laughs) clothes, unfold them, and pile them up in the living room. That's not okay. Yeah. That is the opposite of sparking joy.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I feel, though, that, like, our clean laundry is already, like, kind of
1: in a giant pile in the middle of the living room. I know sometimes I get a little behind on it. But if you took things off of the hanger from your closet and just started piling just, the, just started just one by one started bringing them to the living room and right. hugging them to yourself, I think I would lose it.
0: Yeah. So full disclosure, when I did this process a couple of years ago, I didn't actually do it this way, so I'm sure Marie Kondo will tell me that I did it wrong. Definitely. Um well because it forces you to actually Take something and then if you want to keep it, then it, it makes it harder to keep because you then have to put it back on the hanger and put it back in your closet or put it, fold it and put it back in your drawer. So yes. it makes it harder for you to keep things.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why it, you have to make the yeah. giant pile because then when you accept it, you do in fact have to refold it. Mm-hmm. It's easier to toss it because it's already yeah. unfolded.
0: Right, right. So she basically has you go through your closet and then she has you go through... Um, Household objects, and then um, I think she has I think four different categories, and then the final one are, are the sentimental things like gifts and those those things that have a very sentimental meaning to you.
1: Yes, those those are really tough to get rid of. Those are
0: very tough to get rid of. And so one of the things that I've been doing this week, uh, the last couple of weeks, is actually going through our piles and boxes of kids' artwork. I mean that. Causes tons of, decl- of of clutter in our house.
1: It causes clutter in our house. It causes clutter in our attic. We literally have box plastic boxes full of artwork from preschool just mm-hmm. sitting up in the attic.
0: Not in the attic. It was in like the the top of the closet. There's a
1: box in the attic also. Is it really? Pretty sure. Oh
0: no, <laughs> that means I'm not done yet. So I came, I came up with this great way to deal with the, ch- the children's artwork because I always felt so bad throwing it away. I mean, especially if it's got their little handprints on it.
1: I know they worked for a solid five minutes to make that thing. So yeah. it should really crush you. When if... they were two. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> when they were two. They
0: put a lot of time and effort into that.
1: They, they really cared extensively. It definitely was not them fighting. Well, their preschool teacher painted their, their hands, hands. <laughs> shoved them onto a piece of paper, handed them to a different preschool teacher who then went and washed their hands. <laughs> it would. They really cared deeply about their handprints going down onto the piece of paper.
0: Still. Still. It's not easy to get rid of. It's so, not. It's really not. I found this app on my phone called Genius Scan. And it's basically a scanner where you're, you use your, your iPhone as a scanner. And so what I've been doing is going through all of the artwork and taking a picture with this app of every single piece of artwork, and then it allows me to just put it all into one document. So now I've got all of the kindergarten work together, all the first grade work together, and it's fantastic. And then I don't feel as guilty about recycling it. And then everything is just in a neat little PDF document on my phone, which then got uploaded into the, the cloud. Yeah.
1: And then the recycling for that week was huge.
0: It was. It was. And it was funny because the girls were actually on board and okay with it, which is part of what... I was a little nervous about because I don't like throwing things away because I don't want them to get the message that their work is not important. I don't want them to see, okay, well, mommy just threw my my art project away. That's not important to her. Like, I don't want to send that message. But at the same time, I also don't want to send the message that it's okay to just keep cluttering our house with all of this (laughs) stuff
1: yes it's also not okay to keep everything you've ever done in school from the age of three forward like that's not that's not going to happen it's just it's an impossible task yeah
0: I remember having this conversation with Riley when she was in I think kindergarten about keeping her homework she wanted to keep every single piece of homework (laughs) and I'm like baby I'm like I will keep your art projects but I cannot keep every single piece of homework that you ever do and she's like well why not I said baby where am I going to put it Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, then you, if you want to keep it, you find a place to put it. And so for a while she did. She kept it in like the drawer of her nightstand.
1: Until that drawer got really, really full. Right. And she had anything else to do. That needed to go into that drawer, you know, and that's the drawer where she kind of hides things where it's like, uh, you can't play a game until everything's cleared off of this. She'll shove it into that drawer. (laughs) That drawer was... Everybody's got that drawer. Everybody's got that drawer. That was that drawer. And it was too full of her homework for her to hide anything into it. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't allowed to play a game. And so then suddenly... She wanted to play the game and there was this stack of homework that all hit the recycling. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, because she threw a bunch of just stuff into that drawer. And so she had to get rid of her homework.
0: Right. So the whole concept is that clutter drags us down. It prevents us from achieving our best selves. It has, it's basically this psychological and emotional weight on you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean...
0: And you don't quite understand this when... I talk about it.
1: No. like Which I don't understand. As, as, I, as I typed up in the outline, I said, we have been systematically been going through the house from one room to the next. And by we, I mean Angie has been going <laughs> through the house from one room to the next. Right. We've made it from our closet through her side of...
0: I'm not done with our closet yet. N- no, we've made it...
1: not. Part of the closet – I mean, you also started there a couple of years ago and then kind of re-look at it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dresser has been taken care of more than – more well, definitely more than mine. Mm-hmm. And then – the kids kind of work the playroom you've done both of the girls rooms we redid the garage we've hit a whole bunch of rooms we're
0: getting there yeah and it's it was helpful because the oldest our oldest daughter wanted a desk in her room and she so in order to have a desk in her room we had to rearrange the furniture so uh, Last week or two weeks ago, I spent that Saturday, a couple hours on Saturday, moving her room around and just throwing stuff away and convincing her that we need to get rid of this stuff because there's just too much stuff. Like, we accumulate so much.
1: And she was, in America. She was completely on board because yeah. she had this dream of a new desk right. coming to her room. And so she was she okay. She saw
0: the value in it.
1: Yeah. She was okay getting rid of other things because she saw this new thing coming mm-hmm. in. And so it was like, okay, I really don't need that. I don't need these things. I'll get rid of it because she saw what else was was potentially coming forward. Right. So right. That, was, that was And then last weekend
0: I did our littlest's bedroom and that was, I mean... 5 and 6 year olds man they accumulate all sort of little toys and knickknacks and, and it's all
1: small enough to fit shavings. in pencil it, shavings it's small enough to fit in a 6 year old's hand yeah. and there's there's like seven drawers of them oh that are small enough to fit in a 6 year old's hand yeah. and they're all like you know the most important thing in the world to her mm-hmm. so that i i was I played no part in that one. Yes.
0: Yeah, so I helped move
1: furniture around and <laughs> in resetting up for the desk. I, <laughs> I just ran away from the other room. All
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, right. You weren't feeling good, I don't think, on that day. That's when you started feeling not so great. So yeah. I think you kind of laid low and took it easy. So, anyway, so that's the whole concept is that decluttering your life really just helps to remove some of these things that help keep you from your best self. And right,
1: so, how are you feeling?
0: I feel better. I honestly do. It's it's funny because growing up, I was always—I don't want to say a hoarder, but like I—I I liked to keep things. I kept ticket stubs and I kept pictures and I kept all these little mementos from various memories in my life. I was a keeper. I had like memory boxes. You and had memory scrap boxes, scrapbooks.
1: scrapbooks. You were a scrapbooker. Oh, I
0: was a big scrapbooker, and I would take all the ticket stubs and put them into scrapbooks, and it was amazing. Like, I mean, I really love those. And I still like to go back and look at those. Sometimes we, we pulled them out uh, like a couple weeks ago and the girls were looking at some of my scrapbooks from college and stuff. And they were, they were really cute going through that. But I, I love that I have those things.
1: Yes. So there, there is a point to that. Right. But like you said, with, you know, like the, the kindergarten artwork, as long as you've got a way to access it, mm-hmm. you're still winning. You, you right. have not permanently removed it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that part of removing this clutter, it's very symbolic that you are letting go of these things from your past life or, you know, that the past part of your life that are, that don't serve you anymore. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that we accumulate that simply don't serve us anymore, whether it's clothing that is too big or too small that was, you know, what if I gain the weight back? You know, I've, I've, I've lost weight, but what if I gain it back? So you, you save those clothes that are a little bit too big for you. Yes. You know, or vice versa. What if, you know, you have that pair of jeans that were pre-baby from, you know, 20 years ago from college that you just loved. And those jeans, you remember going to a concert in those jeans. And those and were your go-to
1: you jeans. Right,
0: and... People have a hard time letting go of those things. Yeah. And even if you were that same size today, would you still be wearing those jeans? Are you that same person? Because you're not. You're a better person, hopefully, than you were 20 years ago. You're a different person, that's for sure. I'm, you don't, know.
1: don't judge me for still wearing my jeans from college. I'm totally okay with that.
0: You still have jeans from college in the closet, don't you?
1: 100%. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have anything from high school?
1: probably that
0: that, like flannel shirt that you have is that from high school
1: definitely (laughs) definitely from my grunge period in the late 90s in high school is 100% what that shirt is (laughs)
0: that's why I haven't touched your stuff yet because that's not my place but
1: sparks joy
0: (laughs) sparks joy so so that decluttering so but to let go of these things and let go of of the past and our past self and what these things meant about who we were, I think that for a lot of people can be really, really hard. But at the same time, it's very liberating and freeing in a lot of ways. Like, when I look around the house and it's cluttered and it's messy cuz our house is never dirty but it's it gets it gets messy. There's laundry that piles up, there's kids toys that pile up or that are strewn about that don't get put away. When that stuff happens, like I have this sense of unrest inside of me. Like it is very hard for me to focus on Other tasks, especially any sort of business-related tasks, working from home, like because I'm surrounded by that. So it's very hard. I I have to take physical energy to tune it out and try to ignore it so that I can try to focus on other things.
1: That makes sense. I I should probably do this to my desk at school so that when I'm grading, I can actually focus and get some stuff done.
0: Your desk at school, I don't know how... Like, I I just, when I'm in there and I I see it, it stresses me out.
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's terrible. It's just giant piles and piles of stuff. Mm.
0: So this also applies to the events in your life, right? Like decluttering. When you think about how busy you are, like, what about decluttering your schedule, right? So, okay, we just talked about decluttering your physical space. And I think that if you haven't started doing it, I really, really suggest it. It is... Unbelievably freeing and liberating to to donate. Like I'm kind of obsessed with it now. I'm like, get rid of it, get rid of it. Like I love it. Toss it.
1: Kind, <laughs> like, kind of obsessed. Kind She's full-blown obsessed of <laughs> donating stuff to other places. But it is it is pretty cool to go through it, just start with a drawer. Don't tackle the entire thing if you're like, eh, I don't know. Start unless, with a drawer and watch how it goes.
0: Unless you're that kind of person. If you're
1: that kind of person, know? then go. Go all in. Yeah. And um, uh, lately I've been really all about go all in. But if you if you are questioning this thing, start with a drawer and watch how excited it gets. And you'll end up hitting the entire dresser because it, it starts the snowball rolling of like, wow, I suddenly have a bunch of more room in my drawer. I can actually see what I'm working with. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of interesting. I've done it to, uh, I mean, when you did it a couple years ago, I redid my dresser.
0: Yeah. So Marie Kondo has a certain way of folding clothes. If you put clothes in drawers, she has a very specific way of how to fold clothes. So when, when I, we read the book or sorry, when I read the book, (laughs) when I read the book and we started this process a couple of years ago, we did actually go through and refold all of the clothes in our dressers. I, I, I did. And then Kevin, i I convinced him it took him a couple months to get on board with it. But, um, it's so nice. And, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It, allows you to actually see what's in your drawer. You know, when you when you have a t-shirt drawer, a lot of times you fold them and then you have a stack of t-shirts in your drawer. And then you kind of have to leaf through them if you, to try to figure out which shirt to wear or you just grab whatever one's on top. Yeah, then you just and wear then the you end same up four wearing... shirts over and over again. Exactly. So with this method, it you fold them and then you stack them like behind each other so that you can actually see every single shirt that you have, every single short pair of shorts that you have. And it's so nice to just be able to see and choose what you want to wear.
1: Yeah, I know. It's brilliant. All right. We were talking about how to clean up your life, like how to declutter your social calendar.
0: Okay. And the
1: answer is the word no. Yeah. You don't That's have the to- That's simple answer. It really is. You don't have to go to every event that you possibly hear of mm. because they're probably not all going to be amazing, life-changing events.
0: Right. But what if they are?
1: Mm -hmm. And this goes to the fear of missing out. Yes. Set your priorities. Figure out which which events are actually meaningful to you. Okay? The same way that you have to figure out whether you should keep that shirt or that pair of pants, figure out which event is actually going to make an effect on you, Mm -hmm. which event means something to you that you would be upset to miss it. You should go to that one. Mm -hmm. If you're like, oh yeah, I'd like to go to that one. I know I've got some friends that are going to that one. It'll be fun. If it doesn't matter if you miss it, if you would not be upset at missing it, you probably don't need to go. Mm -hmm. And it frees up your time that you can actually focus on things that matter more to you instead of simply putting things on the calendar so that you can say, look, look at how busy I am. I've got all of these things on my calendar. Mm -hmm. If your calendar is full with things that aren't actually bringing you any sort of happiness, it's just full. And then you feel overwhelmed really quick because you've got a super busy calendar. And when you get to an event that's actually something that you want to be able to be involved in and bring a lot of energy to, you're just too tired.
0: Yeah. I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day who was talking about how overwhelmed and stressed she is with all of her child's sports activities. Oh, my word. And I told her that we specifically have avoided a lot of that because that wasn't the lifestyle that we wanted. We didn't want to, especially with kids at such a young age. Now, I think as as they're getting older, we're definitely going to have more of that. We're going, definitely going to have more after-school activities, evening activities, and sports, because I do want them to, to be involved in all of the sports. I think it's very important to be involved in sports as a child. Yeah, and, Yeah, and so we are going to have more of that. But, you know, is it necessary to have them in four different things at the age of three?
1: And to have them in all of these things, so then they've got like that homework assignment that is just nothing but a source of stress that they're trying to like rush through while they're eating their breakfast because they couldn't even do their homework in the afternoon because they went from one practice to the next practice to the next practice. Mm -hmm. So they have to sleep at some point in time. That's why you're getting like clinically over... Uh, like overtired kids starting at the age of like seven. Right. Because they never sleep because they're up too late. You know, if mm-hmm. you got a seven year old who doesn't have basketball practice starting until eight o'clock, yeah. there's no way they're going to bed at a reasonable hour.
0: Well, and that affects their brain development,
1: which is not okay.
0: Yeah, brain development, their physical development, and it. it- can actually do them long-term harm. And
1: and parents are not thinking that through. If you're like, no, 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 i got to get my kid into this practice because that's going to be the best way for them to develop their mm-hmm. skills at this. Not if they're just overly exhausted all the time. They're not going to physically develop or mentally develop. So it doesn't matter that they had an extra hour of practice when they were seven mm-hmm. because... They, they can't even move and function properly at the age of 20.
0: Right. I mean, it's coming from a good place. The parents Completely. want... You know, the parents are doing this because they want their kids to have an advantage. They want their kids to be good at something or their kids really enjoy it. Their kids love playing that sport and love being on that team. And so they want to bring that happiness into their children's lives. And sometimes I think it's very helpful just to step back and take a look at the big picture. If, if that's something that's extremely important and is that one of your family's key priorities, then that's one thing. But just do it knowing that that is your key priority. I think that we've talked about setting priorities before uh, on the show and it's it's extremely important to know what your priorities are and what your family's priorities are because the, it makes decision-making a lot easier. Like, there was an event. Like, you were talking about choosing events wisely. Yes. Right? There was an event last weekend that a lot of my running friends did. There was a Ragnar Sprint race here in South Florida, and I really did want to do it. And yes. there was a lot going on. It was my birthday week. There was, you know... That was really our opportunity to have date night together uh, on that day. There this was, just... was
1: going to be that that night. That, that night. was That was right. the night.
0: And, you know, I spend a lot of times with my running friends, and I love them dearly, and I did not want to miss out on this race. But at the same time, looking at the month, the week, all of it, and being away from my family, like, my family is my priority. And sometimes I think that we can forget different things when we are presented with all of these really fun events that we don't want to miss out on. Sometimes it's easy to just get wrapped up in all of it. And like you said, just fill your calendar with all these super fun events that we think are going to be great. And they will be. I mean, my friends had a blast and I totally had FOMO, like total like jealousy, like I missed out on something, but apparently like, it just wasn't my time to do it. And you and I got to spend very you know, quality time together on our date and that is also my priority, our relationship. And we haven't had a lot of that lately, other than recording our podcast. That's but, a lot of our alone time. It, <laughs> but it's it's hard, you know, when you have a family and jobs and businesses and everything else that's going on in life, it, it is hard sometimes to cultivate those very important relationships in your life, like your marriage, like your best friends, like your children, and it's a, it's a, up to you, it's up to us, it's up to me to spend that time where that time is needed, and so I chose not to do that race, and... I don't regret it. I I would have loved to do it, but I don't regret it.
1: Because it, it didn't mesh nicely with your priorities. Mm-hmm. If you take the time to figure out your priorities, yes, you kind of were like, ah, oh, it'd be great if I could do both, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And you put the priority of us over a running race. Right. And
0: And there will be more races. And
1: there will be more races. You know, there
0: will be more Ragnars and I definitely want to do a Ragnar at some point. A full one, I think that would be really fun to do.
1: Yes. And and I believe on date night, we discussed potential giant relay races and how Mm -hmm. fun they would be. Yeah. But it was a time where it was still just the two of us Mm -hmm. having these conversations. And that's just, that's the kind of stuff we talk about. Not just because there happened to be a race going that day, but just because, you know, we're a couple of running nerds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's (laughs) cool. That's going to happen.
0: So... When it comes to the things in your life or the events in your life, find things that spark joy. That's you know, the big catchphrase nowadays. Spark joy. There you go. But there's a lot to be said for that. And of course, not everything in your life can spark joy. There are things, there are mundane things that everybody has to do, like the dishes. Um, you know, and and there is, I read an article this week or last week about how all of these mundane tasks can also spark joy by doing like a mindful meditation while you're doing them and sure. feeling yourself wash the dish and washing, you know, the, the water run over the desk, the dish and being very mindful of the whole process. And
1: if you are incredibly mindful while washing dishes, it's going to take you six hours to clean up from dinner. <laughs> Like, that's not okay. Just get the dishes done and then go be mindful and spend some time with your family. Right. That's probably a better way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there's, there's exciting things and you should find something that makes you happy, but you also can't just look at the next thing directly in front of you that makes mm-hmm. you happy unless it meshes nicely with your bigger picture, purpose, priority, whatever you want to call
0: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about just being present and being in the moment, and I think that's what a lot of the decluttering movement is: is is stop living in the past. It's start living now. Start surrounding your things with joy, like or I'm sorry, start start surrounding yourself with things that bring you joy. And I think that is a great message for us to come away with. And I do agree that decluttering and getting rid of physical items does help to create that space in your brain for all those other things. It makes sense. So how... Okay, so now let's relate this to our running like we like to do. Perfect. How does decluttering our life... Apply to our running lives
1: well, there's also decluttering your overall training. Mm-hmm. there's so many different training philosophies mm-hmm. and training styles, and even within a training philosophy, there's you know more strength and more speed and what level of speed and long runs and blah blah blah. it just keeps going
0: yeah yeah there's a million different things that you can do out there and a million different ways that you can train, but ultimately, if you boil them all down there's, there's a core to all of it. And ultimately you have to pick one.
1: Yes. You have to pick one and you have to go with that one. Yeah. I think is, is really the best is the, the more consistent you can be on a training philosophy, mm-hmm. the better that's going to work for you. Because
0: right. it- there are people that like to jump around, you know, they they spend a couple weeks doing this, they spend a couple of weeks doing that. And really they end up with just mediocre kind of results and they're like oh I don't know I've tried them all and they don't work for me it's like the same thing with dieting
1: Yeah, you didn't try right? any of them Right. you sampled all of them you
0: sampled them but it's like Costco
1: yeah you didn't actually jump into any of them mm-hmm. if you're going to try something you need to fully commit to whatever that thing is and go with it and then mm-hmm. remove the other distractions don't think oh the grass is greener over there I should jump over look at what that training group is doing they're mm-hmm. clearly that's the answer just let your training philosophy go for a while, mm-hmm. you know. Our like one of the the mantras of our training philosophy is essentially um, trying to get the best results with the least effort possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it tries to keep people as healthy as possible. So
0: Right, and this does not mean setting the bar low. This does not mean setting low goals or mediocre goals. We're not saying like, see what you can get away with and hack your way to it. Like, I mean, that's a big thing. No, nowadays, it, this right? is hacking, not hacking. This is not hacking your it's running. It's not
1: trying to shortcut it. It's no. the opposite of trying to shortcut right. it. Right. It's instead of shortcutting maybe you have to take a longer bit of time to get to your goal mm-hmm. but look at the the purpose of your running so you know it, your purpose is to get in better shape to to see how fast you can become to to be a healthier person to be a model for your kids whatever the purpose is and then you pull goals out of that mm-hmm. And your goal might have a timeline to it. you know maybe your goal is in this race, I want to run this fast it 's a very specific goal that has a very specific deadline. If it doesn't mesh nicely with your purpose, then that goal is going to be really hard to to hold up to you know. If you are you get sick and stuff gets in the way or you're trying to jump training philosophies and trying to literally hack your way to getting faster by the time you hit that goal, it's going to derail you from your purpose. The same way that having so much clutter around the house removes you from being able to be the best you, trying to try every training plan and every different aspect of the training plan simultaneously, it's, it's not necessarily going to get you where you want to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You say it perfectly. And it's, it's that do no harm, right? It's like the, the medical oath, Hippocratic oath, the Hippocratic oath. Right. So if at first do no harm. And, and ultimately it, that's somewhat what we like to subscribe to as coaches as well, because ultimately the biggest thing is don't get the athletes injured by overtraining them and do like sometimes it takes a little bit longer for athletes to see results when they train this way but the results are there and the the results will come and they are able to maintain that consistency without those constant injuries that take them out of training
1: yes because consistently and and we've talked about this for a, a few episodes here is consistency is how you actually get better. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go for three months and then you've hit a plateau, so you just jump to a new training plan and then you hit that one for a few months and maybe you see a a little bit of a breakthrough and then you're like, ooh, but over there they're doing something new and you jump to that training plan, uh, you're going to keep plateauing and eventually it's not going to improve you. It's just going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. It's not taking you towards big long-term results pick a plan, use the gradual approach. I was talking about this in my physics class at school. It's the difference between trying to lift a big heavy box straight up and put it on the table or use a really long ramp with a very gradual slope. It takes a lot longer to push it all the way up, but you have to put a whole lot less effort as you do it. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to get to the same result, but the amount of, of effort you have to put to lift it straight up it's it's riskier it's yes you may get to the end result faster but you may get hurt before you even get to the result
0: right and it's the same thing when people are going along on a training plan and they start doing something maybe they hit a couple workouts and they start to see some improvements and they're like oh I just need to do more of that
1: yes yes the idea that well last week I hit mile repeats and now look how fast I, I just ran this race so mile repeats is the answer and mm-hmm. it's like well you've been training with good consistency on this plan for the last like nine months it wasn't mile repeats last week yeah it's the last nine months don't look at what you did last week and think that was the magic it's the the consistency that's the magic. There there isn't actual magic here. It's just the consistency that drives you towards it.
0: Well, and it's interesting too, because we talk about how it might take a little bit longer, but in, in another way, like if you look at the other hand, it might take around the same amount of time or even less time to do it this way because you're not constantly being disrupted by injuries and other things
1: well yeah it, in theory it takes longer right. but going trying to take the shortcut route might actually never get to the goal mm-hmm. like it could get you there faster or get you hurt and plateaued way before you ever reach the goal
0: or you get hurt and then you rehab you get hurt and then you rehab and then you're essentially bouncing up along the same curve as the steady incline yes but it just there's a it's a lot harder and more painful along the way it's a
1: lot more frustrating of a process yeah you know there's uh one of my students is trying to help get me to to coach him to do a very specific task in four weeks he's got to run a a two-mile time trial and i'm like look this is like the opposite of my coaching philosophy but i will help you as long as you fully accept that this is not a good long-term plan Like this is a plan that could conceivably get you hurt, but it has also is the best chance of you being able to reach your goal because he wanted to be, he doesn't run at all. And he had a two mile time trial in less than a month.
0: Right. For like a service academy. Right. Right,
1: Which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, fully commend him on that, but I'm like, I can help you out, but this is not what you should generally be doing to try and be able to run when you get there. So, but
0: I mean, he's also like a high school kid that's like in really good shape. That So the, the riskiness of it is less just based on that.
1: Yes, which was also part of my thing. I'm like, you need to have recovery days, but you're also an 18-year-old kid with hormone levels through the roof. So <laughs> you, you can recover a whole heck of a lot faster than I can recover.
0: Right. So by decluttering your training plan, you can it can lead you to open up more space for that consistent growth and that long-term success yes so okay then how does that correlate how does that work itself in if we're we're trying to declutter our plan if we talk about you know a lot a lot of times on some of our past episodes we talk about the importance of variety and the importance of not ignoring certain systems like always doing some speed work always doing some endurance work like so how does that play a role here.
1: Okay, so this is this is fantastic. This is I think a great takeaway from the episode here is um well it's it's important to try and hit all of those systems. You can't get so stressed out if you miss something. Okay. Okay? The same way that missing whatever event on your, on your social calendar can't just derail your life, mm-hmm. missing your long run on the weekend does not completely derail your entire training plan. Okay. You know, it's nice to have the variety. In an ideal world, you'd have all these different things, but you can't let the training plan become this source of stress because mm-hmm. you have to hit these six different training modes during the week. Otherwise, you'll never possibly progress. Right. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. the body will progress in all sorts of ways. You know, we've got people that we work with that have like two speed sessions a week and some people that only have one and some people that were going to have two but life got in the way so they only have one. Everyone's still progressing. You can't let a missed day be like, be a source of stress to you. Mm -hmm. So streamlining is okay.
0: Right. And I think it's also important to point out that even just one speed work or one long run, it's, it's it's all different because a lot of what we talk about is trying to get runners to understand that they should not just go out. If, if they want to make improvements, that they should not just go out and run the same pace and the same distance all the time. Like you have to disrupt that homeostasis right you have to put something new into the system you have to challenge the body in new ways if you want to make some sort of improvement yeah
1: push out of the comfort zone right
0: so if you have a couple of, of key workouts that you like to do maybe it's quarter repeats maybe it's half mile repeats whatever it is if you run a couple of times a week and you just sprinkle in some of these key workouts that you like to do you're going to probably make improvements. You'll have some easy runs in there. You have a long run in there. And then maybe you pick a speed work. Maybe you you have a handful of speed work that you like to do. And you just kind of sprinkle it in throughout the month. Yeah, right? it, it, I mean that's a way to declutter and simplify like you don't have to be looking on Pinterest for a, a, a different workout every day or a different workout every week
1: yeah just because you did that workout last week does not mean it has to be a different workout this week mm-hmm. and just because you did it last week does not mean if you do it again this week it has to be faster
0: yeah see that was one thing you helped me to understand too but
1: there was a, a great thing I forget who. oh it was Bob Kennedy's training calendar like before the 92 or 96 Olympics whichever one he was in the 5k finals um and his training throughout like the summer it was such repetitive looking workouts and they were all run at really very consistent paces like the workouts were slightly, it was 400 repeats or it was 600 repeats or 800, but everything was run basically cranking off laps at 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. The pacing was almost always the same thing to get yeah. his body into the mode of doing that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning of the month to the end, you'd have to argue that he got in better shape and yet he was still hitting the same workouts at the same paces. He wasn't trying to push them faster. Mm-hmm. So the, the repetition, that consistency, even if it's the same workout, you don't have to go faster. You're probably going to feel better. If you've done the same workout before, you've done it three times already and you hit it again, your body's forming new adaptations to it. Yes. You have to push outside of the comfort zone. Eventually it's going to plateau, but on someone like that, when you're working on an Olympic level. It's not exactly a plateau. It's just that the gains are so slight mm-hmm. that you can't see them as much. Most people, if you pick a few a few speed workouts, most of your recreational runners, as long as you're sprinkling in a variety of easy and medium and harder days, they're just going to keep improving as long as they stay healthy.
0: Yeah exactly so that's a that's a good way to just kind of streamline your plan and try to declutter just pick a couple workouts and if you need some suggestions we have a free download over on the website for you if you go to realliferunners.com there is a free beginner speed workout and it doesn't mean that those workouts are for beginner runners it means like if you need some suggestions on speed work and maybe you've never integrated it before these are great workouts to try they're all time-based and effort-based so you don't have to worry about distances and And you can do them in any of your runs.
1: I'm pretty sure that I do most of them uh, throughout all of my training cycle. Yeah, I mean, they're
0: they're some of our classic go-tos. I mean, two twos, you know, two minutes on, two minutes off. That's a classic workout. And you and I do that regularly. I do
1: it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I hope to be able to do it again soon, but I have to talk normally first.
0: Right. So... Is there anything else you think we should say to kind of wrap this up and give your, your voice a break for the uh, night?
1: I know. I, I think we've really done a pretty good job of covering how to actually declutter both your life, your, your house possibly, um, and, and how to streamline your training plan mm-hmm. so that you don't get bogged down in anything. Don't look around and be living in the world of clutter and don't think that you have to check off all of these boxes on your training plan. Otherwise, you're never going to progress.
0: Yeah. One thing, the last thing I want to mention is something called the scarcity mindset. Have you heard about this? Yes. Okay. I think I've talked to you about it before. And I think that this is something, this scarcity mindset is something that holds a lot of people back because maybe it's the way you grew up. Maybe it's the the things that you've told yourself, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, and, and there's a lot of, things and messages that we receive both as children and as adults and it's this idea that if we give this away now I might need it later you know and that there's not more coming to you and there's a lot of people out there these personal development and self help people that talk about this scarcity mindset and how we have to let go of that scarcity mindset and understand that by letting go the universe will give us what we need Right. And I know that sounds a little woo woo, right?
1: That sounds very woo woo.
0: <laughs> but it's, it, it, you know, it's that idea of just not holding on to something just for fear that you're not going to get something else good in the future. Like understanding that there will be other good things that will come into your life. There are going to be other, you're going to have another shirt. You're going to get another pair of jeans. Like it's going to be okay for you to get rid of this right now and for you to, move on a little bit. So breaking through that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all coming from fear, whether it's fear of missing something or fear Mm -hmm. of scarcity, like whatever it is, it's, it's all rooted in fear, which is. Just really not a good mindset to have trying to to optimize anything,
0: yeah, but people don't always acknowledge that that's where the the root of the problem is. no, most
1: you know, people like don't like, like don't to acknowledge look, fear at all,
0: well, you don't look <laughs> don't look around your cluttered home and say, like I'm getting rid of these because or I'm not getting rid of these things out of fear,
1: yes, no you, know, you're, you don't you're attribute
0: right. it, but but really, if you really dig down deep, it's it's that fear of letting something go, like not having it anymore or Missing out on something or making someone feel bad because you threw away the hand-knit sweater that they gave you when you were 12 years old.
1: Or from a workout perspective, that that desire that you have to make sure you run every day because you used to not be in great shape. And so if you miss one day, you're going to completely fall off the bandwagon and you're going to put on 50 pounds by next week. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not.
0: Right. So I think that about wraps it up for today. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with us. For all of the resources that we mentioned today, head over to the website, realliferunners.com, and we will have all of that for you in the show notes and links that you can easily access all of that. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.